0: Ask an Expert 11, COVID-19 Billing. Today, I speak with Doug Aldean and Al Lewis.
1: American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know, talking. Relentlessly seeking value.
0: On Friday, March 27th, President Trump signed into law the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Securities Act, otherwise known as CARES. This CARES Act covers the whole $2 trillion Megillah stimulus package. But today we're talking quickly about a provision in that act. I speak first with Doug Aldean, an attorney specializing in helping employers settle hospital bills. Doug works with clients across the country. And then at the end of the episode, You will also hear from Al Lewis, who is a founder over at Quizify. Al Lewis, as many of you may or may not know, but if you don't know, you should. Al created a surprise billing wallet card that is actually super relevant to this discussion, as you will see. There's... Actually, going to be a whole surprise billing episode coming up soon where we discuss this wallet card. So you can consider Al's short commentary today as kind of a coming attraction. The provision that we're going to talk about today is the no cost sharing for COVID-19 testing and vaccines provision. This is where insurers are required to cover testing for COVID-19 without cost sharing to their enrollees. And they must pay for the test based on contracts or the posted pricing of labs. So the thing is, hospitals and diagnostic testing companies can essentially basically name their price on COVID-19 tests and employers and insurers will be required to pay for it. This is in Section 3202, the price of diagnostic testing in that CARES Act. The plot thickens this week as health insurers, including Aetna Cigna and Humana, are now waiving patient cost sharing on all treatment for coronavirus, not just the testing, including hospitalizations and ambulance transfers. And they're doing this for their insured members and employer plans at their in-network health systems, emphasis intended on the in-network part. So you might be thinking, great, no costs to anybody. But I did emphasize that last part for a reason. If you think for a minute about this, just because patients are not paying co-pays for COVID treatments, first of all, doesn't mean that while they're in the hospital that their diabetes won't flare up or their MS or their RA. COVID-19 is just one thing, and the U.S. has a patient population that has, let's just say, no shortage of chronic conditions, otherwise known as underlying conditions, otherwise known as the people most likely to be in the ICU, My concern is that there's nothing to say that co-pays and co-insurance for treatment of other things while being treated for COVID are going to suddenly vanish, too, even if it's an in-network health system. Furthermore, there is that problem of a patient going to a hospital that's not contracted with the employer plan or the patient's insurance carrier. At that point, I'm not seeing anything that would suggest that patients with COVID-19 are going to get any different treatment billing-wise than patients with anything else. We've seen COVID-19 bills that are for uninsured patients at 34 k and 73 k in the press. What if the patient doesn't have out-of-network coverage, for example? What if the patient's out-of-network deductible is tens of thousands of dollars, like some of them are? I don't see anything in this bill to suggest that those are suddenly going to go away. And oh, by the way, exactly as the bill pretty much states explicitly, regardless of what the patient pays, the employer's on the hook to pay for whatever the hospital chooses to charge, at least as far as testing goes. My name is Stacey Richter. This podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Doug Aldean, welcome back to Relentless Health Value. Stacey, glad to be here. How are you? Well, it's a little freaky out there, my friend. So... Let's get into how the freaky is getting billed. Glad to help. So let's talk about hospital billing as it has to do with, with COVID. We've got this stimulus package, which seems to say that employers have to pay whatever the hospital bills if that employer has no pre-existing contract with the hospital. Did I get that right? You did, yes. What does that look like on the ground?
1: That looks like an absolute, complete debacle. When you look at you know the landscape in terms of how the healthcare system is is morphing, a lot of these hospitals don't have cash, and it literally is the biggest redistribution of wealth grab this country will have as yet to witness.
0: So you think what hospitals are going to do is to try their darndest not to have a contract?
1: <laughs> That's exactly right.
0: How much more land is there to grab, honestly?
1: Well, you know what? It doesn't prevent them from trying. I mean, if when you look at you know the global budget, I mean, I think I saw one of those pie charts that had. You know, roughly thirty three percent of healthcare spending is attributable to hospitals. So it is a massive beast to feed.
0: So we've got the stimulus package that's obviously giving a hundred billion, was it, dollars to hospitals? Did I
1: I think that's right,
0: yes. So is some of that money gonna then go to cover out of network employers? Employees?
1: Well, you know, that that's a great question. I don't think those details have truly been ironed out yet. I mean, it's it's the commitment that there's cash that keeps everybody, you know, from losing it. Now, how that's allocated and works its way through the system. I think that remains to be seen.
0: Okay, so this is what I don't understand. The CARES Act prevents an employee from getting charged for anything related to testing. So testing is one aspect, but then, you know, treatment is the whole other aspect, and the CARES Act doesn't really say anything about treatment. But let's just say an employee goes to an out-of-network hospital. I guess they still can't get charged for the test, but what about the treatment? And then is the employer on the hook for the whole bill? You know, So if an employer employee goes to an out-of-network hospital, does then the employer get the bill for all the charges that the employee incurred?
1: And it's a very fair question because if you think about it, if you're out-of-network, so by its very definition, there's, no, there's nobody on the hook, if you will, that's responsible for paying that bill. So other than the patient, I mean, so the patient goes in, signs whatever form is presented to them. That's going to obligate the patient for sure. Now, whether the the CARES Act supersedes that and how that all works out, I mean, it'd be very difficult to pass that, I think, on to the, to the employer who's already made a conscious decision to be out of network. I mean, because that literally would tilt the entire leverage of that conversation to the provider. I just don't see how that can work. Yeah, I just don't see how it could work.
0: So when you say you don't see how it could work, you don't see how an employer could be on the hook for an employee who went out of
1: network. Correct.
0: So, if an employee does not have any out-of-network coverage in their particular plan, I saw in the paper a few days ago, some woman got charged thirty-one thousand dollars for COVID treatment, and a a gentleman got charged seventy-three thousand dollars for COVID treatment. So, like, there's going to be employees, patients all over the place getting bills for like that much.
1: That's correct. And again, I mean, so if if it's if it's an individual. And, you know, and it came to, you know, some type of balance billing lawsuit, any type of litigation in a state court, they're only going to be able to recover the reasonable value of the services that were provided. And without knowing the details, I mean, I, I'm assuming 31000 is going to be sky high, way out of line with what a reasonable value of those services would be. Now, I, I don't know what they are. I know Medicare, as an example, is reimbursing $51 for a COVID test, but for the subsequent treatment, And any other services that would be required, I mean, I don't know.
0: You just said a hospital will only be able to collect reasonable payment. Correct. Why is it different in the case of COVID than in the case of like everything else, especially if the patient goes in in the ER and they sign that financial consent form, which basically... You know, unless they edit it themselves to say, "I solemnly swear to pay reasonable," mm-hmm. the hospital can charge every anything they they want and do in the ER. Why is the case of COVID different?
1: And see, I don't think that it is. I mean, and I don't think that it should be. So, you know, everybody talks about de facto rate setting. You know, it's the same concept. If you think about, I mean, if if an employer would would ultimately be responsible for paying that bill, okay, you're in essence basically telling that employer you're going to be on the hook for everything and anything, no matter what. I don't think you can do that. I still think they're going to have to look to the employee to pay. But again, I mean, I think some of those details are going to need to be be ironed out. I mean, because it literally would bankrupt employers. I mean, if you're on the hook for, you know, $31,000 COVID tests and treatment over 500, 5,000 employees, I mean, that's just you can't even underwrite that, I don't think. <laughs> would you even actuarially underwrite that and then budget for that like you would in any insurance risk pool? I think it'd be very, very difficult.
0: When you say wrinkle out the details, do you mean basically this is going to all wind up in court? I think
1: it is. I think there's going to be literally the Charlie Brown lump of coal and nobody's going to want to pay for it. And I think it's going to have to be addressed you know, on a national basis because you're going to have all of these folks who needed help at one particular time. And I just, I think it, it forces a much deeper conversation amongst you know the country how can this even be i mean how can you ultimately bankrupt somebody or a family because you're charging too much
0: Well, it's not like that held anybody back
1: before. No, that's all so true.
0: The only thing that I could imagine is that if it happens at scale, that it might get so much public attention that there's some kind of, like, are we going to go to like a national price that gets set or something? Like, Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, I think it's going to come to that. I mean, I really do.
1: If I was an employer and I was looking at 5,000, COVID tests and treatment, I mean, that's a significant number. I mean, would it even be covered by stop loss? I mean, that's the other thing. So there's all of those issues that that I think are going to have to be worked out. But it just, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't give the hospital the right to significantly overcharge because, quote, you're out of network.
0: So if I'm an employer on a self-funded plan, then I can look forward to, you know, whatever percentage of my employees getting these bills
1: possibly or you know i don't know if if we're going to be able to address this like you said on a national basis but we're going to have to come up with some method that's going to resolve this and you know hopefully it's not a us taxpayer bailout or each individual employer is going to be on the hook because i mean it's it's a budget buster i mean it's like having you know multiple dialysis people in your risk pool. I mean, it's just a very, very expensive proposition that nobody can really afford.
0: So if I'm an employer right now, what should I be doing?
1: I would be watching it like a hawk. In other words, and again, this is these are data-driven decisions. So I would want to know exactly, you want to look at the the employees that have that have been infected with COVID. Where are they in the treatment protocol? But you're going to be watching this as it develops over the course of this year and into next. I mean, you're going to have to absolutely have a handle on what, if any, responsibility may or may not be looming down the road. Talking to your stop loss carrier, how is that going to work? But yeah, I think you absolutely have to have a handle on what that financial responsibility may or may not be.
0: And if there is, like, you know, so say I'm an employer and I, generally speaking, have contracts with all the nearby hospitals. I know there's CPT codes for COVID now, but are those covered, in employer contracts because they fall within some kind of, you know, diagnostic group or something like that. So that it is actually by de facto negotiated.
1: Well, you know, the other thing is, I mean, I, I think about us as, as a self-funded plan. I mean, it could come under one of the exclusions. It could be a non-covered expense. So when you look at exclusions under self-funded plans, acts of war, riots, I mean, a lot of those things, does that include a pandemic? Is that something that would normally not be a covered expense.
0: So Doug, what do you think the major takeaway is right now for everybody who may be bankrolling what's going on right now?
1: If you look at the symptoms for COVID, you don't feel it really well, you have a low-grade fever, you have a cough, that's a lot of different things. But how can you not say it's incredibly important to not show up at the hospital and be tested at a minimum? You can't. Then what? a normal ER visit that would, you know, you'd pay out of pocket, for, you know, $400 for now it's quote COVID. Uh, does that mean it's $40,000? How can that be? And you're just going to have to ha- have a handle on it. Cause I mean, I, I think, you know, this whole thing is tilting towards who's going to pay for all this stuff. How is this all going to work? Because you just, you can't have this chaos that's Honestly, that's running the roost right now.
0: Doug Aldean, thank you so much for being on Relentless Health Value today. Stacey, thank you for asking me. I am sure you recall Al Lewis from our earlier episode. He is the founder of Quizify and working on a number of Corona quizzes. Surprise billing and what we've just talked about definitely is intertwined. And I'm going to ask Al to connect the dots.
2: Okay, Stacey, there are several dots. One is the testing should be a zero for the employee. For the employer, it's what the market will bear unless the stimulus package puts some kind of cap on it. And that is something that's not knowable until next week. But the second thing is that it's quite possible and we don't know what the final language looks like, that treatment is gonna be a zero, which one, or whatever it is, it means that the employer is gonna be hit with a big bill. That's what the traffic will bear. Now, I'll tell you a third thing, Stacy, which no one has thought of, which is going to happen, which is that you're going to have people who do not have coronavirus going to the hospital thinking they have coronavirus, turns out they don't, and then the employer's on the hook for a surprise bill. And trust me when I tell you this is going to happen and it's going to be in the newspaper in the next few months, there are going to be hospitals where people have two diagnoses, where clearly the people are in for coronavirus, not for diabetes or whatever. But the hospital had the RevMax people figured out that if they put diabetes as the first diagnosis, whatever the legislation says, it's still Katie bar the door as far as the employer is concerned because that's the primary diagnosis.
0: So one of the ways to combat the unknown here with patients, employees going to ERs for what may or may not be COVID-19 and coming away with a huge bill is for everybody to use the wallet card that you, Al, developed with your team at Quizify. This wallet card basically has a statement on it that can be copied into the financial consent form that the ER generally wants everybody to sign. And it only promises to pay for appropriate care at basically 2x a Medicare rate, which is reasonable There's going to be a whole other episode about this exact topic, the wallet card and surprise billing. But relative to COVID-19, Al, where can people go to download your wallet card? The wallet card
2: that you can download from quizify.com. It's under more and the emergency consent, or you can write to us and you're posting the address and we will just put in a self stamp, a stamp self-addressed envelope. We will send you wallet cards for you and your family. We will send you uh, transparent tape to put on your insurance card. If you want more than a, a few of these things, if you throw in a couple bucks, we'd appreciate it because they're not free for us. Not needed if you're just using it for your own use.
0: Yeah, so definitely go to quizify.com or the show notes and we have a link directly to the wallet card there also. Thank you so much, Al. Thank you, Stacy